Good Wednesday morning. We are following two big political stories overnight. Yeah, with impact in Washington and beyond. Good morning. It's February 14th. This is Today. Decisive victory. Democrats flip a key seat in the House, winning the special election to replace ousted Congressman George Santos and chipping into the slim Republican House majority. While that GOP-led House impeaches the Secretary of Homeland Security over his handling of the border. The resolution is adopted. We're live on Capitol Hill to break it all down. One-on-one, Nikki Haley speaking out in an exclusive interview, taking direct aim at Republican frontrunner Donald Trump. He is not the same person he was in 2016. He is unhinged. This morning, her message to voters ahead of the next primary and the election in November. There is no way that the American people are going to vote for a convicted criminal. They're not. Plus, her response to critics who say she's hurting her party by staying in the race. Breaking overnight, frightening crash. A car plows into a crowded emergency room at a Texas hospital. It felt like I was watching a a movie. One person killed, at least five others injured just ahead. The dramatic video captured by survivors and what may have caused the chaos. The big dig. Plowing, shoveling, lovely day. The Northeast recovering from one of the region's biggest storms in years. Airlines coping with a backlog of more than a thousand canceled flights. And Al says the next storm is already on the way. Those stories plus gearing up and cracking down. Spring break season set to be one of the busiest yet. What some major hotspots are doing different this year to keep the chaos in check. And hail to the Chiefs. One million fans ready to pack the streets of Kansas City for a Super Bowl victory parade. Will Taylor Swift be among them? All I can say for us is we'll be ready no matter what happens. We're there live taking you inside all of the excitement today, Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuffey. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to today. Nice to have you along with us on a Wednesday. Happy Valentine's Happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. You know what they're feeling the love? Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Okay, the fans are definitely feeling it. Their Super Bowl winning <laughs> Chiefs are getting ready for a massive victory parade. They're already getting ready. That's a live shot. It's going to be held a little later today. And of course, we will take you there live. They're lined up early. Oh, they are ready for it also, so to speak, covering a pair of stories that could have a major impact in an important election year. There was a special vote to replace disgraced New York Republican George Santos. The Democrat won overnight, which makes the paper thin majority held by House Republicans even thinner. It came on the same day that the Republican-led House voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, passing by a single vote. Got it all covered, including Craig's interview with Republican presidential hopeful Nikki Haley. But let's start with NBC's Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Nobles this morning. Hi, Ryan. Good morning to you. Hey, Savannah, good morning. And, you know, immigration was really a key issue in this race. And instead of running away from it, the Democrat Tom Suozzi leaned in, accusing Republicans of walking away from a bipartisan border deal. He cruised to victory on the same night Republicans were impeaching the Homeland Security Secretary, a move that even some Republicans admit won't have any impact on the border crisis. This morning, a major shakeup in Congress and possible power shift in Washington. 
Democrat Tom Suozzi flipping a seat vacated by Republican George Santos. We won! After the scandal plague, Santos left following a federal indictment. Republicans were already struggling to pass legislation. Now they can only afford to lose two votes. This race was fought amidst a closely divided electorate. The closely watched race, also potentially a preview of how Democrats could try to win the House and even the presidency. They pursued his opponent, Mozzie Pillup, on abortion, sure to be a touchstone issue this year. And Swazi also focused on immigration, calling for harsher policies at the border as New York deals with an influx of migrants, while also attacking Republicans for their efforts to impeach the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. You want to fix the border? You're not going to fix it by impeaching the secretary. But hard right Republicans have stayed focused on that effort. The yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. Successfully impeaching Mayorkas last night. House Speaker Mike Johnson embarrassed one week ago when the vote fell short, taking a victory lap. We're happy to get the job done. The GOP accusing the DHS chief of willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law and a breach of public trust over his handling of the migrant crisis. But some Republicans admit it won't do much to change the situation at the border. How does that fix the problem at the border? Who said it was going to fix the problem? President Biden saying history will not look kindly on House Republicans. The articles will now move to the Senate, who will hold a trial. But conviction and removal from office are unlikely, something even Republicans like Senator Kevin Kramer concede. Obviously dead on arrival. I mean, it's the worst, dumbest exercise and use of time in a time-constrained environment. And the Senate will not move on the Mayorkas impeachment until the end of the month, and it's expected that they'll dismiss the charges immediately, meaning the secretary is at no risk of losing his job. Savannah. All right. Ryan Nobles on Capitol Hill. Thanks, Ryan. Let's turn now to the presidential race. The next contest, South Carolina's Republican primary, and it's just 10 days away. Early voting, though, already underway this week. Nikki Haley is busy barnstorming her home state. She's on a bus tour. Craig had a chance to catch up with her at a campaign stop. Got an exclusive interview there. Craig, good morning. Hello, Savannah. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. It has been almost a year to the day since Nikki Haley launched her campaign in Charleston, we were her first interview after she joined a, a then crowded field of candidates. Now, well, now she's the last person standing to try and unseat frontrunner Donald Trump. For the first time earlier this week, she said Trump is not qualified to be president again. I asked her what changed after supporting him for years and why she's staying in the race. The former president uh, yesterday endorsed a, a group of loyalists including his daughter-in-law, uh, to run the RNC now. Um, the idea, reportedly, to bring the campaign closer to the party. What do you make of that? He's just trying to control as much as he can control. But we don't want a king in America. That's the problem. They, um, they heard your criticism earlier, and they responded. Trump campaign spokesman uh, said, quote, Nikki, brain dead, bird brain Haley, reeks of desperation. As it's clear, she knows she has no shot and is now auditioning for a cable news contract when her 15 minutes are over. It's a weak response. You know we're under the skin because you saw what he did at the rally on Saturday. Over the weekend, Donald Trump questioned the whereabouts of Nikki Haley's husband who's serving a year-long deployment in Africa for the South Carolina Army National Guard. Where's her husband? Oh, he's away. He's away. Where, what happened to her husband? What happened to her husband? Where is he? 
He's gone. You know, to mock my husband, Michael and I can handle that. But you mock one member of the military, you mock all members of the military. But the reality is he's talked about the military for years now in, in disparaging ways. Suckers, losers, John McCain, gold star families. What's different now? What's different this time? Before, when he did it, it was during the 2016 election. Everybody thought, oh, did he have a slip? What, what did that mean? The problem now is he is not the same person he was in 2016. He is unhinged. He is more diminished than he, than he was. You endorsed him when he ran again. You were a vocal supporter. You were out on the campaign trail. I'm the first one to say I voted for him twice. I was proud to serve America in his administration. But you can go back and look in my book. I cite multiple times, and he knows it, when I called him out for things that he was doing that were wrong. Since I got out of the administration, I have called him out multiple times, which is why he's upset because he thinks I'm disloyal. I'm not loyal to anyone. I don't do that. What I do is I call it out. If you're right, you're right. If you're wrong, you're wrong. And I'm going to call it out every time. After the most recent attack on, on your, your husband and other military families, you said, quote, he's no longer qualified to be president. How do you square that? with raising your hand on that debate stage, saying you would support him even if he were a convicted criminal. You all signed a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. I have said any of those 14 would be better than Joe Biden because everybody sees how diminished Joe Biden is. I will also tell you, there is no way that the American people are going to vote for a convicted criminal. They're not. But you said you would. They're not. But you said you would. No, that is not the question. Every Republican nominee signed a pledge before they could even get on the debate stage that said, if that we were not the nominee, would we support the nominee? And I said yes, and I stand by that, that I would support the Republican nominee. But you said he's no longer qualified to be president. If you don't know the value of our men and women in uniform, if you don't know the sacrifice that they go through, why should I, as a military spouse and all our military families, trust you to know you're going to keep them out of harm's way? I mean, the reality is he's never been anywhere near a military uniform. He's never had to sleep on the ground. He's never known how to sacrifice. And the most harm he's ever possibly had is getting hit by a golf ball when he's sitting in a golf cart. That's the truth. He is clearly head and shoulders above the rest in terms of front runner status right now, you would concede. What does that say about the party? Why, why, why has your message not broken through so far? Well, I think my message has broken through. Not only are we getting Republicans, we're getting independents, we're getting Reagan Democrats, the people who want the anger to stop, the people who want the division to stop, and the people who want us to stop having 80-year-old candidates. Is there one state where you could say right now, we can win there? You need 1,215 delegates coming out of New Hampshire. He had 32, I had 17. We've got multiple states. After South Carolina, within 10 days, 10 days we're going to hit 20 states. Let it happen. As long as well, we keep it competitive. Some have suggested you might be hurting the potential GOP nominee the longer you stay in. I mean, how ridiculous is it that you're literally saying, 
that I'm hurting him by staying in. Diverting resources. No, when, okay, resources. From a man who spent $50 million of his own campaign contributions on his personal court cases, where the RNC is broke, I'm the one hurting in resources? I don't think so. I'm the one that saves the Republican Party. Look at every general election poll. Look at any of them. Trump loses by five, by seven. On a good day, he's even. Margin of error. I defeat Biden by up to 17 points. But President Biden's not in the primary. No, and we're going to continue to work on the primary. Don't discount that I defeated a dozen fellas. Don't discount that I ended up with 20% in Iowa when y'all said I wouldn't make it. Don't discount that I got 43% in New Hampshire. And don't discount me now. Hypothetically, if your former boss is the nominee again, would you serve in, in a, another Trump administration? I don't want anything. I don't want vice president. I don't want anything. I am running because, yes, while I thought he was the right president at the right time then, I do not think he's the right president at the right time now. I know what the American people want. They want to be heard. They've been through a lot. They don't see enough money in their wallets. I'm doing this because we have to do something. We can't just sit back and let it happen. Nikki Haley there outside Charleston yesterday. That 43% figure that she mentioned mm-hmm. there, that was where she finished in New Hampshire. She said yesterday that she has to improve on that in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So I asked her if she doesn't, right. is she staying in the race? Yeah. She said, absolutely. She's going to stay oh. in through at least Super Tuesday. Right. She's yeah. staying in. So, All right. Yeah. All right. Fascinating interview. Yeah, Thank was. you, Craig. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you. Meantime, we are following breaking news overnight in Texas. A car slamming into the emergency room of an Austin hospital. The driver of that car killed. Five other people were hurt. NBC's Morgan Chesky joins us now with details on this story. Hey, Morgan, good morning. Hey, Hoda, good morning. And crews have been busy all night long trying to repair this massive hole left inside this Austin emergency room. And you can imagine everyone's shock when the patients inside the ER suddenly faced an entirely different emergency. One witness telling us as he watched this all play out in real time, it felt like he was standing in a movie. And this morning, multiple patients are still fighting for their lives. Flames and smoke billowing through the halls of a Texas hospital after a car crashed into the emergency room at St. David's North Austin Medical Center. We're going to be out checking for patients and injuries right now. Police say the driver died at the scene and five others were injured, including two children. I got a white Acura that drove through the entrance to the civilian side of the emergency room. In the aftermath of the crash, the Austin PD initially writing on X that... This incident does not appear to be an intentional act, but their investigation remains ongoing. The Austin Police Department has vehicular homicide detectives on the scene, um, and they are investigating the cause. Hospital officials say patients who were already inside the ER when the crash happened were sent to other facilities for care, and that no other departments at the facility were impacted. It it felt like I was watching... A movie. Stephen Hughes says he met his wife, Michelle, inside the ER before she was admitted to the hospital for a surgical procedure. Just a short time later, Hughes says he heard loud noises and went out into the lobby. He recorded this video to show his wife what he witnessed. Down there, I'm thinking that maybe there was an explosion of some kind. I see a car embedded into the uh, ER lobby area. So the tires were spinning, causing uh, tire smoke. And it started to fill up the uh, 
the area pretty quickly. Hughes tells us the hospital staff sprang into action and began administering first aid. It was amazing how quickly they responded. Uh, I would say they were there within uh, a minute or two after the, the crash. And thank goodness they were so close by. Again, while authorities say they don't believe this car was driven inside intentionally, this remains an active investigation. Meanwhile, two of those five patients injured, Hoda, remain in critical condition. All right. Morgan Chesky for us there in Austin. Morgan, thank you. Also, this morning, millions across the Northeast are doing something they haven't done in quite a while, digging out from a major winter storm. For some, yesterday's nor'easter was the biggest in years. Al's here. Guess what? Already tracking the next one. But first, let's get to NBC's Emily Aketa. She's in Randolph, New Jersey this morning, a snowy wonderland. Hi, Emily. Good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. It's hard to make out, but I'm actually walking in the sidewalk of this Randolph neighborhood, buried by nearly a foot of snow, much like the rest of this Randolph community. And other parts of the Northeast saw even more snow, leaving millions today digging out from a brutal blast. After a bitter blast of snow socked the Northeast, this morning, millions are cleaning up and shoveling out. Plowing, shoveling, lovely day. The wintry mess, the first significant snowfall some have seen in years. In the last couple of years, we've had virtually no snow. That all changed Tuesday, when parts of Connecticut, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and New York all saw over a foot of snow. A white blanket also covering New York City, ending a record 744 days since at least two inches of snow hit the ground in the Big Apple. This winter wallop packed a dangerous and disruptive punch, canceling over 1,200 flights nationwide Tuesday. Officials responding to nearly 2,000 accidents across several states. Take a look at this car that slid off the roadway into this embankment, almost down into the ravine below. In Pennsylvania, the nor'easter turning deadly after a 20-year-old man's snowmobile fatally collided with a downed utility line. Heavy snow and strong winds also knocking down trees, crushing cars, and causing major power outages. And it's not the only area where wild weather is causing concern. In Dana Point, California, multi-million dollar houses precariously perched on the edge of a cliff after landslides swept part of the hillside away. Authorities say the homes aren't in immediate danger. But with much of winter left to go, Americans bracing for more damage across the country. And with wind chills right now in the teens, another big concern today is that the lingering snow and slush could turn icy. And while yesterday's storm brought the highest snowfall totals to parts of the Northeast region that people have seen in years, Newark, Boston and New York City are still more than a foot below the snowfall, the average snowfall they see for the entire season. Savannah. All right. Emily Akata in New Jersey for us. Thank you. 719. That storm is in the history books. And we got another one coming. That's right. But this one's a quick clipper. So no big deal. Hey, everybody. How you doing? We're looking at winter weather advisories, winter storm warnings from the Pacific Northwest all the way into parts of the UP of Michigan. You can see this clipper bringing that snow through here. Again, it's not going to be a heavy snow. Some sections, maybe about four to six inches back through the Dakotas into parts of northern Minnesota, Wisconsin. And then as we get into the Northeast through Friday, again, some heavier areas between Watertown, Albany, New York, anywhere four to six inches of snow, lighter conditions as you get down to the south. And hey, if you're going to that Kansas City Chiefs parade, I mean, everything's going their way. It's 64 degrees. It's going to be 64 degrees for the parade. Average high, 43, sunny and warm. If Taylor Swift sees her shadow, 
It's another, another it's another Super Bowl yes! for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes! <laughs> and that's your latest weather, guys. Happy Valentine's and Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day forecast Oh, good. I like it. All right, coming up with spring break on the way. A growing number of cities are bracing for rowdy behavior. They're already cracking down. The big changes you need to know about. All right, then new complaints over shrinkflation. You know, when you pay more but actually get less, even the White House weighing in. But what is actually being done about this costly trend? We will take a closer look. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There we go. 7.30, oh. a classic scene from Say Anything on this Valentine's Day morning. It made everybody swoon, but it did make a new list of Hollywood's greatest romantic comedies of all time. Is it one of them? What do you think? I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I don't know. Te- what? <laughs> I never saw it either. I didn't see it. I, Sorry. It looks, looks like it was great. It looked... I never saw it. Is that from the 80s? I don't know. why. I was like, why did we pick that one? But now I know everybody's seen Guess it. Guess it's a classic. It's a classic. Like, she needs a minute. Rarely speechless, but okay, okay we'll I am. Pop star. It's incredible, yes. and you two have a homework assignment for this weekend. Oh, yes. Okay, that's oh. pop start. First up in this half hour, though. It's almost that time of year again, folks. Spring break season. Millions of college kids ready to flock to warm weather cities. I mean, of course, a little rowdy behavior is expected, but in some hotspots, things have gotten so out of hand in recent years. Officials are saying enough is enough. NBC Sam Brock is on historic Ocean Drive in Miami Beach. She's got that story. Hey, Sam, morning. Hi, guys. Good morning. Look, the message right now from Miami Beach leaders is pretty blunt. We're not doing this again. We're not going to see 500-plus arrests, 100 firearms impounded, sections of Ocean Drive stampeded. Earlier this month, the commission approving strict new rules, primarily geared, guys, for the busiest two weekends of March, the second and third weekends, as a growing number of cities right now are breaking up with spring break. For generations, it's been a favorite American tradition. From beach blanket bingo in the 60s to MTV's beach house during the 90s to modern day spring break parties with sun, sand and surf, an annual rite of passage embraced as the ultimate party for college students. But in recent years, those warm weather vacations have turned into chaos and crime in cities like Miami Beach. The problems that we see just literally just a handful of weekends. The bad behavior prompting major security changes from Miami Beach's government ahead of the March crush, including 6 p.m. beach closures and traffic restrictions, among other things. 
DOI checks, license plate readers. We are going to be doing uh, bag checks on the beach, restricted access. We're increasing the fees for non-residents to park in our garages up to $100. There's also the potential for curfews. After last year's spring break prompted a state of emergency with more than 570 arrests and multiple fatal shootings. After 16 stampedes last year, I closed Mango's. For some business owners, like Mango's nightclub owner David Wallach, the roughly fifty to seventy thousand dollars he might lose every day is a fair trade-off if it means less violence. You have to go into a defensive posture. As some locals hold out hope for some tranquility. The divorce to spring break has been attempted for every single year for the past twenty years, and it hasn't worked out. So uh, anything that they can do to try to make a difference would be uh, great. And Miami Beach is not the only city cracking down. Fort Lauderdale pulled the plug years ago on all spring break activities. Myrtle Beach in South Carolina has enacted a noise and foul language ordinance this year, limiting beach hours and banning thongs and G-strings too. But even with all the restrictions, spring break crowds are expected to be up from 2023. In fact, with lower prices, we're seeing higher bookings initially going into the spring break season. Now it remains to be seen if cities can stop the spring break mayhem. And here in Miami Beach, the concept of a curfew has always been controversial. That will only be implemented this year if a state of emergency is declared first. The commission is going to be meeting tomorrow to finalize these new rules. Back to you guys. All right. Sam Brock for us in Miami Beach. Sam, thank you. You going to recover? I'm, yeah, I'm good. Uh, still, <laughs> still ahead. Everyone loved Ben Affleck's star-studded Super Bowl commercial, right? Guess what, folks? Those Dun Kings are actually releasing a real no, pop not. song. They are doing it. We've got your first listen coming up in Pop Star. All right, but first, shrinkflation back in the spotlight. Apparently, it's getting even worse, but Christine Romans is on the case. Uh-huh. Good morning. I know you guys have noticed this. Fewer chips in the bag, maybe a smaller number of cookies in the sleeve, maybe a skimpier roll of paper towels. It's called shrinkflation. It's a byproduct of inflation, and I've got what you can do about it after the break. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna book club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Chris Pine to talk about a career that has taken him from Star Trek to Wonder Woman, and now the new film he wrote, directed, and stars in called Pool Man. You can get our conversation for free wherever you download your podcasts. We're back 739 this morning on your money shrinkflation. Yeah, as Americans continue to grapple with those high grocery prices, in many cases, they're also getting a lot less of what they pay for. Now, the question is, what can we all do about it? NBC's senior business correspondent Christine Romans is on the case. Hey, Christine. Christine. Good morning, you guys. You've probably noticed this, right? When you go to the grocery store, fewer chips in the bag, maybe a skimpier roll of paper towels. It's a byproduct of inflation and people are just fed up. In aisles all across America, the choices are bigger than ever. But the size, not so much. From cereal 
to chips to detergent, so-called shrinkflation may be squeezing down your favorite snack or takeout order and your wallet. That's the small queso that was $6. Same price, smaller amount, and some frustrated consumers are venting about it on social media. Look at this. I'm always getting less, but I either pay more or the same amount that like it was uh, that it already cost, but I don't get as much. This is barely even a half of a cup of noodles. I'm fed up. No pun intended. Even President Biden on Super Bowl Sunday calling shrinkflation a ripoff. New inflation numbers were higher than expected in January. Food prices rising 2.6% versus last year. Grocery prices specifically rising a little over 1%. But they're up 25% since 2020. A December report from Senator Bob Casey's office found shrinkflation most common in paper products and snacks. But the Consumer Brands Association, which represents food and beverage companies, says company costs are also high and consumers have a choice. We're dealing with a much higher cost structure uh, and trying to find a way to uh, equitably and responsibly uh, produce products uh, that meet the consumer where they are. So it's too simplistic to say that companies are getting record profits by passing all of the costs onto consumers. Absolutely. Consumer advocate Edgar Dworsky says shrinkflation grows during periods of price pressure. Almost every product has been downsized in one way or another. I'm waiting for the day when you open that carton of eggs and you only see 11 inside. We're just kind of coming off high inflation, so maybe we'll see fewer products shrinking, but it's never going to go down to zero. And for American consumers, that's a big bite to swallow. Speaking of, I mean, for a lot of folks, inflation just comes yeah. down to the grocery store, right. mm -hmm. still paying more there. Right. Do you expect that to ha change anything? You know, USDA forecasts that this year grocery prices specifically will actually fall a little bit, you know, so that's a little bit of relief. But as I said, grocery prices are up 25 percent over the past four years. So this is why people feel so rotten when they have fewer things well, in their bag of chips. companies are making money hand over right. fist. They are, so. but they're also managing higher labor costs and higher input costs. So that's that push-pull. Yeah. Companies are making money, but people are getting a little bit less in the bag, there's a couple things you can do about it, right? You need to not look at the price of the item, but look at the unit price. Yeah. And you can also compare because not all companies change their packaging at the same time. So you might get a different kind of cookie, right? Mm -hmm. Just go over and see maybe if the unit price is a better value for a different kind of snack food. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you have a choice of what you're buying in the grocery store. And, and the free market kind of works in a way here too, because um, at some point, and we've seen this with the fast food companies, as yeah. I've reported, people start to vote with their feet. You yeah. know, they say, wait a minute, if this is too little and too much in the bag, I'm not going to buy this gonna product. Buy I'm going to buy something else. And so these these companies are quite aware of that. Yeah. There is mm -hmm. inflation fatigue and they know yes. it. Mm -hmm. And finally, Christine, say anything? A classic movie these two oh, see? I don't even know who you people are. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Al, have you We're, seen it? The prosecution you, rest. You've never have you seen, seen say, say anything? No. <laughs> No, come on. He wasn't a teenage girl in the 80s. You were. How do you know? <laughs> they all have choices now. That's right. Valentine's Day in Sweetheart City, Wisconsin. 38 degrees, and they'll have partly cloudy skies. Loveland, Ohio, partly cloudy and 48. Lovely PA, 36 degrees out west. Darling, Arizona, 50 degrees. Bouquet Junction, California, 61. And Roseville, California some showers. Are you going to love those temperatures? I don't know. You love 
41 degrees in Minneapolis? I think you do. Nashville, 62 degrees and 11 degrees above average. And then tomorrow, those temperatures, oh, you're going to love this. Down in Savannah, 71 degrees. Seven degrees. Oh, yeah, baby. Tupelo, Mississippi. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, 12 degrees above average. And then temperatures actually dip into the weekends. I take a dip. Yeah. All right. Chicago, you're in mid-20s on on Saturday. Saturday, 55 in Raleigh. I'm sorry. <laughs> is that for Deborah? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Your wife. Sorry for all of it. All, all of right. It. Blanket, all sorry. Just a blanket. Categorical. Love it. All right. Still ahead. It's parade day for Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Could it feature a special guest? Oh. Jesse Kirsch got a live report from Kansas City. Plus, wow. uh, we've got a special morning boost. All of it's coming up right after this. Carson joins. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, guys. Good to see everybody. Well, the Chiefs fans are lining the streets, as you can imagine, of Kansas City ahead of today's big Super Bowl victory celebration. NBC's Jesse Kirsch right there in the middle of it. Hey, Jesse, how's it going so far? Hey, Carson, guys, good morning to all of you. It is already a party out here. We are now just hours away from finding out for sure if Taylor and Travis will be together on Valentine's Day in Kansas City. But take a look at the crowds already forming out here. These people are getting up close so they can have a chance to see and hear from Kansas City Chiefs players later today. Chiefs Kingdom is a buzz. We've met people who've been out here as early as 1130 last night, and the parade doesn't start until 11 a.m. local time today. Just gives you an idea of the fandom out here. All these people hoping to be a part of something we have not seen in almost 20 years. In Kansas City this morning, the new swag has been purchased and the stage is officially set for a one-of-a-kind party. Roughly one million people are expected to cram these streets to celebrate the newly crowned back-to-back Super Bowl champs. And beyond seeing star players like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, some fans are hoping they'll catch a glimpse of Kelsey's girlfriend, pop superstar Taylor Swift, who helped make 11-year-old Ryland Stouch a big Chiefs fan like her mom. Have a parade on Valentine's Day without Swelsey? No. <laughs> no. It's got to make the end of the love story, right? Yes. <laughs> There's no official word on if Taylor will be here. We even took the question to City Hall. Mr. Mayor, will we see Taylor Swift at this parade? <laughs> All I can say for us is we'll be ready no matter what happens. So we don't know for sure if Taylor will be here, but we did find out what she said to Travis during that post-game embrace. Thank you for making it across the way across the world. You're the best, baby. Oh, my God. The absolute best. Was it electric? It was unbelievable. And Travis's mom, Donna, feeling the love on her flight home from Las Vegas. Mama Kelsey's on board, everybody. Congratulations, Sarah and her family. Southwest Airlines naming Mama Kelsey MVP, most valuable parent. How about those That was the scene in KC after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year. This time around, Coach Andy Reid says he told his players not to have too much fun. That was mentioned um, a couple times, so uh, it's great to have fun. Uh, But, you know, be smart. But with today's warm forecast and Swifty intrigue, the city is preparing for even bigger crowds this time around at a parade that could exceed our wildest dreams. Three titles and parades now within five years for the Chiefs. But what makes this one different, guys, for sure, 
This one's Taylor's version. Back to you. Oh, oh, please. oh well done, like. Jesse. Thank you very well much. Done. Can you imagine being on the Southwest flight, Mama Kelsey? Yeah, yeah. I was I on the plane. Yeah, the best. That's, it. That's, That's cool. That's cool. Cool. Yeah. Guys, still ahead. Take up the shot. We, Priscilla is here. She's a okay. veterinarian. Okay. She's here, but not for the reason she thinks. <clears throat> she can't hear us right now. We've got her in a room. We can tell you. She's about to get engaged. Her boyfriend is ready to pull up the ultimate Valentine's Day surprise. And we're helping him do it in a fake pet segment that's coming up. (laughs) We're going to answer one pet. We have fake pets? I love it. (laughs) 